Welcome to Beijing's Daily News. Today is the 21st of November 2022. We'll be covering proof of solvency for central exchanges, how tokens can benefit businesses, crypto and user experience, and vote escrows. Let's get to it. On November the 9th, Vitalik published an article titled Having a Safe Central Exchange, Proof of Solvency and Beyond. The main content of the article is as follows. In the short term, there are two clear classes of exchanges, custodial exchanges and non-custodial exchanges. Today, the latter category is just decentralized exchanges such as Uniswap, and in the future, we may see cryptographically constrained central exchanges where user funds are holding something like a Validium smart contract. We may also see half-custodial exchanges where we trust them with fiat, but not cryptocurrency. Both types of exchanges will continue to exist, and the easiest backwards compatible way to improve the safety of custodial exchanges is to add proof of reserve. This consists of a combination of proof of assets and proof of liabilities. There are technical challenges in making good protocols for both, but we can and should go as far as possible to make headway in both and open source the software and processes as much as possible so that all the exchanges can benefit. In the longer term future, my hope is that we move closer and closer to all exchanges being non-custodial, at least on the crypto side. Wallet recovery would exist and there may need to be highly centralized recovery options for new users dealing with small amounts as well as institutions that require such arrangements for legal reasons. But this can be done at the wallet layer rather than within the exchange itself. On the fiat side, movement between the traditional banking system and a crypto ecosystem could be done via cash-in, cash-out processes native to asset-backed stablecoins such as USDC. However, it will still take a while before we can fully get there. On November the 21st, KOL Bill Ackman shared his views on tokens on Twitter. The following are its main contents. Initially, I assume that there is no intrinsic value to any of the tokens and therefore they simply represent a modern day version of tulip mania without the aesthetic benefits. But after examining a number of interesting crypto projects, I began to understand how a token could build intrinsic value over time. One example may help to explain my view. Helium created a global Wi-Fi network used by Lime and others to track devices globally as well as for other users which benefit by access to global Wi-Fi networks. To understand the benefit of crypto-based business models, imagine how difficult it would be to create Helium's million-node network of global hotspots where each node is placed in a location to optimize the coverage of the network. Helium miners earn more tokens for sitting their nodes where they are most needed. As miners earn more tokens, the more their node signal is demanded by users. Consider the capital investment and time required for Verizon's or AT&T to create the same network. Consider the regulatory hurdles and the international coordination of their nodes where they are most needed as miners earn more tokens the more their node signal is demanded by users. All of the above, I think crypto is here to stay and with proper insight and regulation, it has the potential to greatly benefit society and grow the global economy. All legitimate participants in the crypto ecosystem. On November 18th, M. Honkasalo published an article titled Crypto Doesn't Have a User Experience Problem. The following is the main content of the article. I sometimes wonder if we are the boomers solving UX problems we imagine are real, but ones more technologically savvy young people don't care about. With the mentality of a good product manager at one of the FANG companies, we're all about simplifying the user experience. 
If email had been less popular to start, combined with the sensibilities of modern tech product manager, we have a thousand product managers marginally improving products without making a dent in usage. While these can be considered UX problems in the absence of adoption, the younger generation doesn't give a shit. Two, the older generation learned what a at sign is. Plenty of people learned how to send tokens to sketchy addresses that started with 0x, where they thought they could make money trading shitcoins on Binance. I'm sure if there's a super fun crypto game that 13 to 17 year olds are jumping into, literally everyone will figure out these issues in a week. In conclusion, crypto does have a user experience problem, but also not really. If the technology is useful enough, for example, it's fun enough or the economic incentives to use it is enough, UX problems are not the real UX problems. The UX hurdles that are touted as the biggest ain't that big in my opinion. Learning about chains, bridges, and gas fees isn't a lift for certain generation if they are motivated to do so, and the rest will be forced to learn because of it. Crypto's deeper problem isn't user experience, it's that it's not useful enough. That's okay to admit, and the good part about software like crypto is that it only improves and is likely to overcome that threshold of general usefulness at some point. The technology is there already in some small pockets, for example for international transfers via stablecoins. A crypto winter doesn't impact the rate of progress. If you look at the most popular applications by Total Value Locked or any other ranking, note how many of them were built with a small budget, such as Uniswap, Aave, etc. There's no correlation between investor appetite and progress as far as I can tell. My prediction is that if and when crypto hits the mainstream, it will still have plenty of weird UX issues that will be considered detrimental if organic adoption didn't hide them. On November the 16th, Outlier Ventures published an article titled VEV2 Five Strategies for Beanbag Vote Escrow, the main content of which is as follows. V Good, V Bad, and V Ugly gave an overview of what current vote escrow token design looks like. The first piece covers the initial aims and the current pitfalls of the token design. These include meta governance protocols accumulating all of the underlying extracting gen rewards away from V token holders and heavily diluting their positions. The V token model will be a lasting token design among DeFi protocols, although not in its current form. The vote escrow model is certainly a step in the right direction, especially compared to the liquid governance, only tokens that only came before it. However, as market participants grow wiser to the impact of token design and the risk associated with holding illiquid positions, no amount of passive protocol rewards will make up for large drawdowns that have no certainty of recovering. If some of the V underscore V2 suggestion above were implemented by protocols wanting to incentivize long-term participants in their network, there would hopefully be much healthier, better governance markets, decisions, and more decentralization. The protocol and the community will be better off. Although the token design for each project is very specific to who the stakeholders are, how revenue is generated, value flows, and regulatory structure. At the bare minimum, rage crit and the base liquid staking option should be implemented to avoid mass dilution on long-term V lockers by meta-governance protocols. This will also allow the majority of incentive voting and revenues being transferred to meta-governance token holders. The additional options will be beneficial on a case-by-case -case basis, adding extra benefits to the protocol if suited to its design. The V-Token model will be a lasting token design among DeFi protocols, although not in its current form. It may be different to what has been outlined above. However, it will focus on greater governance participation, 
decentralization and more value being captured and retained by the protocol. Rewarding loyal stakeholders that participate in the protocol and its governance early should be at the forefront of the protocol's mind. The aim should be to reduce dilution, reward these participants as much as possible, and offer them an exit if they want it in the future. But we must keep in mind that this is a new technology trying to implement complex monetary policy. Over time, it will become more clear. And as we all like to say, we are still early. To continue hearing more, please subscribe to bishingventures.substack.com for daily newsletter and follow Twitter account Bishing Ventures to hear the rest. This is Celine from Bishing Ventures. Thank you for listening and we will see you tomorrow.